Chapter Thirty Five of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alan Lawley. At the end of a week, Long Hicks stood astonished at his own performances. At the end of a year, he was still astonished, and proud, inordinately. Until the end of his life, he will never forget the smallest particular of that week's exploits. The policeman who came with a warrant for Butson, the young man from Mr. Duncan who came about the stock, the other young man that came the next time, he polished them all off, and half a dozen others, in the most dashing and business-like manner. He found a new shop, found a score of shops, in fact, so that Nan May was fain to rouse herself and choose. Least some hopeless sepulchre of trade were rented without her knowledge, and this was good, for it gave her work to do, and to think of, and once set going, she buckled to her task with all her old energy and a world of riper experience. The shop was not so fortunately placed as that at Harper Lane, and trade was never quite so good as it had been there when at its best. More, its place was in a dingy street, out of sight of the river and the ships. But it was a fairly busy thoroughfare, and things could be sold there, which was the main consideration. And it was Hicks's triumph to stock this shop with the stock from Harbour Lane, conveyed secretly by night on a truck with many chucklings, after cunning putting off of Mr. Duncan, the tale whereof he would tell ever after with bashful glee together with the tale of the sad emptiness and disorganization of Mr. Duncan's new branch at its opening on Monday morning. And Uncle Isaac, who found his niece's new shop ere long, assured the listener by frequent proclamation that Mr. Hicks was a gentleman of vast business ability and a genius at enterprise. Yes, a genius, that's what I say, Mr. Cotton. A genius of uncommon talent. It was a wet afternoon when Cotton and Hicks had taken ten minutes shelter in the roundhouse by the quayside, and presently were joined by Uncle Isaac on his way across from the docks. Mr. Cotton grunted. He had met Uncle Isaac twice before. Lord, Uncle Isaac went on, gazing at the uneasy Hicks with steadfast admiration. Lord, if he was honny ambitious, he might be anything. What an ornament he'd be to a diplomatic corps. Talk about enterprise. Why, at enterprise and any sort of circumventions, ease, ease, why there as I always say, he might be ambassador to Her Majesty's possessions. 
the shower flagged, and men came out on the quays. Mr. Cotton rose from the coil he had been sitting on, took his gaze out of space, and fixed it on the wall over Uncle Isaac's head. Mr. Mundy, he trumpeted, in the manner of a man beginning a speech to an expectant multitude, raising his forefinger to his shoulder and lowering it till it rested on Uncle Isaac's chest. Mr. Mundy. Then he paused, and Uncle Isaac said, Yes, Mr. Cotton. The pause in Jordan grew impressive, till at last the foreman's face relaxed. His gaze descended till it met Uncle Isaac's, and he chuckled aloud, stabbing him playfully with the forefinger. Why, what a windy old kidder you are, Mr. Cotton, and stamped off along the quay, croaking and chuckling all over. End of chapter 35